So I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is we were able to keep the children from destroying the office by locking the door. The bad news is my keys are inside. The good news is that you don't have to listen to Pastor Gary preach very long because his notes and Bible are in the office. The bad news is my kids' snacks are also in the office. And the more bad news, I can't even use the Bible app on my phone because my phone is the camera for the church this morning. However, the good news is I have today's verse memorized. So, it's good times. It's all good. If they start complaining, give it to Leland. Okay. I know that. So, uh, if anyone here is good at breaking and entering, we're just going to all look the other way this morning and... We'll get in later. Although, Rebecca, I may have given you a key for the office, but we'll just get there later. Well, then. Well, then. Leland, come here. Rebecca's got banana bread. Rebecca's got grapes. He's got grapes. Do you want some grapes, Leland? (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. There you go. What do you say to Rebecca? Everyone said, thank you. All right, well, it's a good thing that today's message is the second last of our series called Not a Fan. Now, I do try to memorize these things and and try to get them. I gave you food and you still ended up here. Why don't you sit on this stool over here? So I don't know if you're familiar with the parenting holds. This one's called the football. This one's called the slip away alligator lotion. One. You're going to stay there now, right? You don't know how to get down, right? It's all good. He's good. He's good. He'll cry. He's good. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that on camera, but thanks, Greg. I'll try it one more time. Our second to last message called, Not a Fan. And we want to talk about what it means to actually follow Jesus versus being just a fan of Jesus. So maybe you like some of the things he said. Maybe you don't like some of the things that he said because that's true sometimes. But the reality is, is that we all, at some point in our lives, have to decide whether we are going to follow Jesus or not. And some of us, we've made the decision to follow Jesus, but... Uh, we have went from follower to fan. And so you'll remember way back, if you were here, or you watched online, or you can go back and listen online and watch it again. We talked about uh, the, the ultimate fan, the ultimate admirer. And these are the guys that you see at the football game without their shirt on, their chest painted, and they're the ones cheering the loudest. But they're never the ones that actually pick up their stick and get on the ice or pick up the ball and actually play on the field. They just sit on the sidelines and cheer really loud. And we have people in the church, and I'm not saying this church, I just mean the church in general, that are more like fans, cheering people on, but never actually participating themselves. And Jesus never called his followers to be spectators. He called his followers to be what we call disciples. And he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world. That's not just some of the world, not just your neighbor's house. Go to all the world. And in, in, 
Acts chapter 1, he goes and says, you will be my disciples, you will be my people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses everywhere, is what he says in Acts chapter 1. And so today, as we get close to the end of this series, before we head into Christmas and Advent and the wonderful things that that brings, thank you so much, that's very pretty. As we head into this next season, I want to head into this Christmas season not as a fan, but as a dedicated follower and disciple of Jesus. I know the snow is so beautiful out the window, isn't it? How, how many here are really ready for this snow? All right, all right. We're like a 30-70 split today. I'm coming around. The last few weeks I've talked about how much I have not been looking forward to winter. I've come around. Now that it's been cool the last little while, I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready for this. Because I don't get the choice whether it comes or not. It's, it's coming, right? So that's the way it is. But I want to enter Christmas not as a fan of Jesus, but uh, not just as a spectator, but I want to come as a true follower. Because I understand as a follower what it costs Jesus to actually come what it actually cost him to give his life for us. Miss Chappelle, you've taught her too well. She had to ask to use the washroom today. So, All right, so today we have this word from Jesus in Acts chapter 1. He says to his disciples, you're going to be my followers everywhere because here's the thing, I am going to be leaving. Now imagine, you have given your life, if you're one of these 12 disciples, you've given your life to follow this man for the last three plus years. You've given your time, you've given up your career, you've made many mistakes along the way, but you've, you've given up everything that you knew to follow this person that gave you an invitation that in that culture was totally crazy and totally out of style and context because typically a rabbi would pick disciples and followers who were well-educated. Can you show her where to go down? Okay, then sit down, please. We see these 12 ordinary guys that are fishermen, tax collectors. Uh, we have two guys. They're called the Sons of Thunder. And Jesus chooses these people to be his followers, kind of not your typical cup of tea. Normally, uh, a rabbi would pick people that are educated, that have memorized scripture, that have memorized, you know, uh, and know the Old Testament inside and out. And here we see him pick some very unusual people. And then he tells them, just before he leaves this earth and ascends into heaven, he says, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. And he's going to turn the world upside down with average, ordinary, everyday people. What is absolutely incredible, though, is that for the last three years, these men got to celebrate what we're going to celebrate at Christmas time, and that's Emmanuel, which means God with us. They got to literally walk with the person who held God, who was God himself. They got to follow in his footsteps. They got to see the miracles that he did. They got to do all of these things, and he tells them, I'm leaving. But he says to them, I'm going to leave you somebody. I'm going to leave you something behind. I'm going to send you my comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to do far beyond the things that I ever did on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we have these 12 ordinary guys, the most passionate followers of any rabbi, the most passionate disciples out of any other disciple. We see them in this moment. Hear the words of Jesus, that he's called these fishermen, he's called these tax collectors, he's called these ordinary kind of random group of people to come and do his very work for the rest of their lives. And what I find incredible is that I think around conversations, we would look at some of these characters today, and if we had the opportunity to go to heaven and talk to to Peter, talk to John, talk to some of these disciples, talk to Thomas, who really didn't even believe in Jesus until he was resurrected again. He didn't really even have these moments. We see these guys be used in incredible ways by God. And he gives them this promise, and he says, all I need you to do is wait. Take some time and pray in the upper room, and wait in Jerusalem in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. He says, sit there and wait until he comes. And so they are obedient followers of Jesus, and so they take the time. They're not too worried about anything else. They set themselves apart, and they end up in the upper room. In Acts 2, it tells us that the Holy Spirit came on them like tongues of fire. And later on, we see as they go out from that moment, leave that room, Peter stands up in front of a crowd of 3,000 people. Peter's the guy with the big mouth, so you can expect him to talk to a lot of people. But Peter's a fisherman, and a fisherman typically didn't talk to people that way. Not to the crowds of people, they didn't have that opportunity. Now, we also see in this moment, 3,000 people decide to follow Jesus in that moment. 3,000 people decide not to swear allegiance to the Roman Empire, but they decide to swear allegiance to King Jesus. And as you can imagine, being the Roman emperor and being one of these uh, governors, that they're not too happy because not only did these 3,000 people swear allegiance to Jesus as their king, as their new emperor, we see what takes place is that they all tell their friends of this experience that they've had. And the number of the church continues to grow daily as people begin to understand the freedom that Jesus offers. We sang it this morning in our song, Death Was Arrested, I Am Free, I Am Free, that no longer do we have to live in the punishment of death. If we do something wrong, Jesus can forgive us. We don't have to pay the price for that sin anymore because Jesus took it on the cross and he left it in the grave and he defeated it by coming back to life. And Paul tells us that we have been raised with Christ from the dead and that Christ, that I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me. And so you would talk to these disciples and you would say to them, what was it like to walk the earth with Jesus? What was it like to to follow in his footsteps, to see him touch the eyes of the blind and let them see? What was it like to see Jesus touch the leper and have them healed and him not get leprosy? What was it like to, to see the man at the side of the pool who couldn't walk and call out to Jesus and And Jesus heals him, and he takes up his mat, and he walks. What was it like to be in that moment, to be in the presence of God? Imagine going to the Old Testament and talking with Moses and Abraham and saying, what was it like to be with God in his presence? What was it like to hear the voice of God? Imagine saying that to Moses, and and Moses kind of looking at us funny as we ask him this question, well, what do you mean, what was it like to be in the presence of God? You know, Moses did some pretty cool things through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, he was a man that probably couldn't talk very well. He, it's believed he might have even had a speech impediment. And here we have him talking to the ruler of the, of the world, the pharaoh of Egypt, saying, let my people go. And in that moment, God provides Aaron to sort of be the spokesperson to help him communicate because Moses isn't good at it. But God gives him supernatural power to do something totally incredible. And his rod turns into a snake. He turns the Nile River to blood. All of these things happen. And you ask Moses, what was it like to experience the power of God and in the presence of God? You see Moses climb up a mountain and this bush starts burning, but it doesn't burn up and it starts talking to him. Moses, what was it like to be in the presence of God to hear his voice? Moses, what was that like? Imagine for a minute, if we truly believe the words of Paul, that it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. It's in the office. That's where the key is. It's all good. Imagine for being in that moment. And Moses looks at you and says, well, for me to get to God's presence, I had to climb a mountain. For me to be in God's presence, I had to take off my shoes. For me to be in God's presence, I had to walk through the wilderness and the desert. What was it like for you to actually have Christ, the power of God, live inside of you? Imagine David. Hey, David, what was it like being in the presence of God, even alone, singing? What was it like when you defeated that giant with your slingshot and the stone? What was it like when you killed the lion? What was it like... When you have these moments with God and David turns around and says to you, but what was it like actually having the power of God live inside of you? Because as followers of Jesus, as followers and not fans of Jesus, Christ lives inside of our heart. Christ lives inside of our spirit. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And in Galatians was it 525? I know the verse. I told you I had it memorized. I didn't have the reference memorized. You can tell me if I'm wrong. It's from the fruit of the Spirit. He says, we no longer... Sorry, I had it memorized. <laughs> this is embarrassing. He says, we... look at that. Alex is a hero. She is our thief. Sorry. That. So, credit card, bobby pin, pen. Look at that. Look at that. Don't leave anything valuable around Alex. Sorry. All right, the Aduno children can have their snack. They left. They left. I'd leave too. Get the keys out now. Yeah, it's okay. The door's open. It's okay. We, we got Alex. It's okay. But it says, if we live by the Spirit, then we walk by the Spirit. That's what it says in Galatians 5. Say it with me. If we live by the Spirit... We walk by the Spirit. So maybe I should do the repeat thing. If we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. And so what does this mean? It says we no longer satisfy the desires of the flesh. That's right. That's yours, Leland. We no longer des devour our... <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring one for you, Wyatt. That's okay, though. <laughs> you can ask Miss Elizabeth next week to, or next time to make you one, too, but... That's good news. You can open it and eat it now. That's good. You're allowed. And so where do we want to go this morning? I, I was uh, reading a, uh, from, our, from our fellowship every, uh, every so often. They put out this testimony magazine. And it's a, it's a magazine from before the beginning of our fellowship or at the beginning of our fellowship that would literally share the testimony, the stories of people. 
uh, that experienced uh, an incredible move of God. And so for the last hundred years, our fellowship has published this magazine. And I think it was probably a year ago that I actually read this article. And I was cleaning my desk and cleaning all the paper that I had stacked up to read later. And I found the issue of the Testimony magazine. And in the section of the Testimony, they have an enriched leadership sort of magazine that they combined. And there was a, a, a letter in there, or an article in there, from our assistant superintendent of our district named Kevin Shepard. And he talked all about, in his younger days, he was helping serve at a Bible camp, and they had guest speakers, and it was his job to, to drive around the guest speaker, pick them up from the airport, bring them to camp, and whatever they needed, he would get, you know, kind of one of those, kind of one of those fun gopher jobs, kind of, my, kind of like my first job working construction. What was my role? I was the gopher. Go for this, go for that. That was his role. But it put him in the unique position because he got to, you know, spend time with, you know, these guest speakers who were, you know, typically very knowledgeable in the Bible or maybe they were popular Christian leaders. And he would always, you know, sit down and have a meal with them and he'd ask them all kinds of questions. And this particular one, I can't remember the name of the person now that he was meeting with. It was in my notes, which, you know, whatever. We're, we're past that. He, um, he sat down with him at dinner and, and he asked this one leader, he said, out of you know, anything that you could tell me in this moment, what's the best word of advice that you could give me, this young, aspiring leader? What's the best thing that you can share with me? Mackenzie, you, you can share with her. She shared with you. There you go. There you go. Thank you. That's all right. And he says to this leader, what can you tell me about Jesus' Bible leadership? What can you tell me to become a better pastor? Now, if you don't know Kevin, he, he grew up in a pastor's home. His dad was our superintendent of our district for a number of years. Pastor a number of different churches across our district. Uh, really well knowledgeable. Actually, Kevin Shepard is now the CEO of Crossroads uh, Media Ministry. So if you have like, Yes TV or anything like that, he's now the CEO of that. And it's beside the point. Uh, really good leader. I encourage you to check him out and listen to some of the things he has to say. It's worth your time. But uh, he sits with this leader and he, he ponders. And I mean, Kevin, he knows a lot about leadership already at this age. And the leader, they're sitting there having his meeting and he paused and he looks up at Kevin and he says, well, you know, here's, here's the one thing that I can leave with you. Here's the one thing that I would tell you. He says, are you ready? Can I tell you? Can I share what he said with you? Or should we just say amen and go home? He says to Kevin, here it is. Kenzie, stop. Just leave him alone. He says, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Kevin looks at him and in his head he goes, really, that's it? That's all, out of the amazing, wonderful things you said at camp all week, all you have to say to me is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Hey, Nick, thanks for the keys there, bud. Nick, look at that. That's awesome. What happens, what happens when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? When we stop listening to our own voice, you know, our own conscience, our own gut feeling. I mean, how many of us make decisions based on that feels right? I got, you know, I got that gut feeling. I mean, so many of us, we make decisions by, does the decision feel right? Is it, 
how does this feel, right? We go by our feelings. Well, I don't know if you know this, but our feelings and emotions can easily be deceived. I mean, I could probably stand up here. I'm not, I mean, I'm not that great of a salesperson, but I could probably sell you something because I could get you in the right frame of mind. You know, we could wine and dine you, get you feeling really good, and I could get you to make a decision. But what happens when we lay aside those feelings and we say, okay, what am I going to do now? Take a moment and we actually listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What begins to happen? What begins to change? Well, the day of Pentecost. These men are up in the upper room. These men and these women are there. They're waiting for God to show up. They're waiting for them, Jesus, to give them the promised Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit shows up and they say, okay, that was cool. What did they do out of that moment? You know, they didn't go, that was a cool experience, and then go back to fishing. They didn't go, that was a really cool experience, and go back to collecting taxes. They didn't go, that was a really cool experience, I'm going to go back and work with my father again. No. They went, and they literally flipped the world upside down. In fact, 300 years later, Christianity had grown so much that the Roman Empire decided that they could no longer fight against Christianity because no matter how hard they persecuted Christians, no matter what they did, no matter what they tried to do to oppose and oppress the Christians of the day, they just said, nothing is working. We have tortured them. We have, we have burned them at the stake. We've covered them in oil and lit them on fire. We have, we have put them to death on crosses. We have beat them. We have punished them. We've thrown them in prisons. And when we put them in prisons, the prisons fall apart around them because they start singing. You can read that about Paul and Silas singing in prison. Because they were willing to do what the Spirit said and not what they felt was right. They had their feelings and their emotions in checks with what the Spirit was saying, not with what their heart was saying. I mean, we tell people all the time, listen to your heart. Well, what you listen to depends on what's in your heart. If you have made Jesus the king of your life, if you've declared yourself a true follower of Jesus, then by all means, listen to your heart because you know it's on the inside. You know that Christ has come alive inside of you. And so as we prepare to depart from this place today, as, as I prepare to give you this really nice thing that I wrote up and can't remember a word that I wrote down now, I had it all laid out, and that's okay because the, the, the conclusion is really simple this morning. If you want more of God in your life, if you want to make decisions that are honoring and pleasing to God, if you want to make a decision that is a decision of a follower of Jesus and not a fan, the instructions are simple. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do I do that, Pastor Gary? Take some time and make yourself available to receive from God. It may mean turning off Netflix for a little while. It may mean putting the kids for a nap, which we would all love sometimes. It may mean getting up a little bit earlier in the morning. Sit in the silence. It may mean coming to church more often. (laughs) Sometimes we hear from God together. Sometimes it might mean getting together with another follower of Jesus. But if you want to know what the next step is for your life, take a moment and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see God do some incredible things, if you want to see your life changed, 
You want to see God do something incredible in your kids? Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As a parent, I'll, I'll be completely transparent and honest today. I need to do it better. Say, like, God, what do you want from my kids? How do you want me to parent and raise them so that they grow up serving you? You know, I, I don't want my kids to grow up knowing all about Jesus but never actually knowing him. He's good. It doesn't bother me. I want my kids to grow up actually knowing Jesus and not just knowing everything about him. I want our church to know Jesus and know the voice of the Spirit and not just know about him. So as we go from this place, I probably talk longer than I should, but that's all right. As we go from this place, you can take a minute now, find someone to pray with, pray with your family, or if you need to, to head out, make some time this afternoon to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Wyatt's going to sing us a song today. What are we going to sing? <laughs> that was great. Let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, I give you so much praise. I give you so much glory today because, Lord, there is none like you. And I thank you for taking someone just like me and using me for your glory to see your kingdom come here on this earth. Thank you for every person, Lord, that is gathered here in this place, in this room, who have watched online from their homes or from around abroad today. I, I just thank you so much. You've brought us here together to hear from your word. Lord, may we continue to keep in step with the Spirit. May we continue to live by the Spirit. Lord, I think of Revelation, Lord, that says, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, we look to you for our marching orders, for our next steps. Lord, to become better followers, to become better leaders, to become better parents, to become better employees, employers. God, I just pray today that you would give us the wisdom beyond our own understanding, that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, or that we would remember that you have come alive inside of us. Lord, I thank you so much that there's none like you, and Lord, that you have chosen to know us. You have chosen to call us as your followers. Lord, you've welcomed us no matter where we come from, no matter who we are, Lord, to make us like yourself. I pray that we would hear what your spirit is saying today. I praise this in your name. Amen. Here's my challenge. Take some time today, this week, and write down what the spirit says to you, because next week I'm going to ask you, what did the Holy Spirit say to you? And then I'm going to give you a microphone, and I'm going to ask you to share that with us. Now, if you're not the public speaking type, write it down. Text it to me, email it to me, and I will read it aloud. And if you want it anonymous, that's fine. But take some time and hear what the Spirit is saying. And I'm excited to hear what the Spirit has spoken to you about your life, about our community, about the church, whatever it may be. Take some time and let the Spirit speak. Amen.